0: Day 213, Joe Biden abandons Americans behind enemy lines. Day 226, since he promised, oh, I'm never going to do that. Stabbing our fellow Americans in the back. Um, I start with a sad note today. Um, We often don't give credit to people that do amazing work in life. You know, I think one thing that came out of the convoy in Canada is, wow, everything we buy in every store we go to gets there because a guy is behind an 18-wheeler for 10, 11, 12 hours, whatever he's allowed to drive a day. And every store that we go to, we have you know full shelves most of the time, except during the Joe Biden-inflicted supply chain crisis. And it's there because of truckers. I think over the pandemic, we, we gathered a greater appreciation for healthcare workers, for doctors, for nurses, for orderlies, For janitors that work in hospitals, everybody that worked in a hospital, every single day during the pandemic, they went into a COVID Petri dish, even especially in the beginning when we didn't know as much about COVID as we do now. We didn't have monoclonal antibodies. Please, everyone in this audience, remember those words if you need it. Uh, There are two strains that we're watching very closely. Germany just said a record number of cases. This is far from over. It's a lull for us now, but it'll be back. Uh, either Omicron two or Delta Crom, which is a combination of Omicron and Delta, uh, but we learned a lot about the doctors, the nurses, truck drivers, the farmers farm, the the packers packed, the truckers trucked, the nurses, the doctors, all the factories that stayed open, making, producing the uh, the medical equipment that we needed so desperately, and working overtime in the car companies. You know they jumped on board to try, try and. And put together a ventilator. And, and even their top engineers said, this is not easy. This is a very sophisticated piece of technology here, meaning a ventilator. But they all did, we, we got a greater appreciation from people. Um, Fox News lost one of its premier uh, cameramen. Uh, and his name is Pierre Zoczewski. And he's been with the channel a long time. He died after his vehicle was struck by incoming fire out just outside of Kiev in Ukraine. It happened on Monday. I was not at liberty to really talk about it. I had heard that it had happened. We didn't know the extent of it at the time. And then, of course, we have somebody that's been on my show during this invasion of Putin of Ukraine, Benjamin Hall. He has a young family. He's a great reporter, great guy, extremely talented. And I don't know the extent of his injuries, so I'm not going to speculate. I, I've inquired, but I don't, I, you know, I think he probably would want his own medical privacy. But we don't really appreciate, you know, a guy like Pierre is, and, you know, Steve Harrigan and Greg, Greg Palcott, they they all go out in these war zones to show the world what's really happening, and they're risking their lives every day. And I I can't tell you how many times I'd say to somebody as they finished their hit, um, you know, be safe, stay, you know, stay safe, be careful. Um, But Pierre was a war zone photographer. He covered nearly every international story for Fox News from Iraq to Afghanistan to Syria. He's with the Fox News Channel a long time. He had a passion and he's a talented journalist in every way. And uh you know, is the statement put out by the president of Fox News, Suzanne Scott, my boss, you know, constant in all of our international coverage. And I just want to stop and, and, and the, the former New York Times reporter that got killed. I mean, we kind of take for granted it's not easy what they're doing. It takes a lot of bravery, it takes a lot of courage. I remember, you know, we've been in a couple of situations. We went to Iraq at one point. And I'll never forget, I mean, we're in a C 130. We did an in flight refueling there and an in flight refueling back. And the pilots are 22 years old, a huge cargo plane. And um, when you get close to a rack and you're about to land, um, they do what's called a corkscrew landing. You know what a corkscrew is, right? All right opening up a bottle of wine and you're in this plane. And I, I literally, they let me watch this in the cockpit. Just like I went in the cockpit and saw the in-air refueling and experience is incredible. The technology, the innovation is amazing. These pilots at this young age blew me away. And anyway, the, you basically go vertical but around in a circle like you're opening up a a bottle of wine and then room, Then you go right down. And the idea is you don't want to do a slow descent because that gives the enemy more time to shoot that plane out of the sky and these guys that did this that's what their, their job was every day flying people to and from the war zone and then we got in a helicopter convoy with then defense secretary donald rumsfeld and you know we went to we had a number of stops i don't remember how many but we went to the red zone, meaning where it's dangerous. Where you know we had a fleet of helicopters, doors were open, and manned machine guns on on both sides of the bird, and and you get you just you just get a, a glimpse into the life of a soldier. And then I'm you know after whatever many days there, I'm leaving and I'm thinking all these guys their their minimum deployment is a year in that hellhole. Because that's what it is. the a hellhole. And the incredible bravery, valor, and commitment that they have. And the sacrifice they're willing to make because their families are still back home. And maybe they get to FaceTime. Maybe they get to talk to, on the phone occasionally to their kids and their wife or whatever, or your husband. And it's such a commitment. And it's moments like this that you really stop and think of how great people are in all that they do. What makes this country greater, it's people. Uh, when we were in Israel, and we go to the, it was in the middle of hostilities. wasn't an outright war, you know. But one, not one day we went to a, a border town. Sarot is how you say it, although Linda will correct me. And it's right on the border Serot. of Gaza. Sarot. All right, you say it differently than I do. And <laughs> it's on, it's on the border of Gaza. You can see Gaza, and you know, the night before we had gotten there. The kibbutz, meaning a neighborhood, they call it a kibbutz, was, you know, hit with shrapnel and hit with these, you know, with with weapons that are designed to destroy lives. And I'm thinking and then you go to the playground, the playgrounds for kids in this neighboring town of Gaza were underground because there wouldn't be enough time for a kid that was playing outside in a playground to get to a bomb shelter because of the close proximity of Gaza. We went to the police station, and they had in the back of the police station thousands of rockets that had been fired into Israel over the years, over 10,000 rockets in this one town in 10 years. Linda, you remember this trip, and that's the trip where we went into the tunnels that were, dri- that were dug underground and you know 60 feet underground. They use Israeli and American cement and electricity not to build hospitals and schools, as it was designed for, but they do it to commit acts of terrorism against innocent Israelis. I mean, yeah. And to be fair, Sean, it was you know we were at the University of Soroka Hospital. They were incredible there. Their ICU department is amazing, and they were taking care of soldiers like we're seeing now on the front lines of Ukraine. That were some of them were no older than 18 years old. And then we meet, and and so. And then one night we went to this place. The food in Israel I thought was horrific. I mean, unless you're like Linda, and like these green I thought it was amazing. This disgustingly green puke. know, Projectile vomit disgusting smoothie or an orange projectile vomit smoothie. And you love hummus, which I can't stand. Um, Even McDonald's was awful in israel which really disappointed i saw mcdonald i'm like stop this car right now i'm starving but you think of these guys and they put their lives on the line for us every day and it just hit home losing this photographer not knowing the condition of uh this journalist friend of ours uh benjamin hall pierre Zakchevsky, you know how does his family feel today But he did it because he wanted us, that he had a passion for what he did. And I'm just grateful, and I just want everyone to know our thoughts and prayers, love sent their way. Um, And that's for everybody. I don't care what news organization you work for, because all of them are brave. And any soldier that goes into any war zone, I remember leaving thinking, what if I had to stay in Iraq a year? How would I feel? Not knowing if you're ever going to see your family again. And then you're out on patrol. And maybe it's not you, but maybe your your fellow um, commi- fellow tr- platoon members. Maybe maybe they just got shot. Maybe their legs just got blown off with an IED, and it just can't be any war is hell. That's why when you know some people have been saying, "Well, Hannity, what do you think? What is America's role in the world? We can't be the world's policeman." Totally agree with you. We can't. The world has a lot of darkness and a lot of evil. Evil does exist. I wrote a whole book on evil. The last century, 100 million human souls destroyed in the name of some ism. Communism, Mao, China, Stalin, Russia, Nazism, Hitler, fascism, Mussolini, uh, Tojo, Japan. It's hard for good people to wrap their minds around evil. So what's the role? No, we're not going to put boots on the ground. One of the reasons we can't do it unless our own national security interests are at risk, and even then I would lean towards the medical the, the – I'm sorry, the military sophistication and technology advances we've made as a country where you can fight wars and with pinpoint accuracy hit any target any place in the world at any time and push that button in an unmanned drone from Tampa Bay, Florida. That's that's I prefer that kind of war. And that's why we always have got to be the leader in terms of military technology. Um, But we learned in the past what happens when these politicians, oh, they're all gung ho and they start these wars and time goes on and casualties come in and it gets politicized. And then it's, you know, it's used to score cheap political points. And then finally it gets to the point we say, never mind. And what if you're the parent or a family member of a loved one that put themselves in harm's way and they die? Because we didn't fight the war to win the war. If you're going to fight to win, if you're going to fight a war, fight it to win and then go win. And you don't, there can be no mercy if you want to win the war in that sense. Yes, of course you try to avoid collateral damage. Putin's not doing that. Putin is out there hitting maternity hospitals. We've seen the images of mass graves. We've seen entire neighborhoods leveled. We've seen it all. So I think providing the Ukrainians who have now shown a willingness to fight, javelins, which are very effective, stingers, which are extremely effective. Ronald Reagan provided stinger missiles to the Mujahideen, and they beat the Soviet Union, and they ran them out of Afghanistan in the 1980s. It worked. If the Ukrainians are willing to fight, give them the javelins, uh, give them the stingers, give them the fighter jets. Why they? Why anybody ask permission? Ask Joe's permission. Joe Biden's permission is beyond me. Sadly, we have a president so weak, frail, afraid, and compromised. This is what leading from behind is. America last is, and live free or die. America and the world on the brink. This is the on the brink part. I tried to warn everybody about. And it's only going to get worse with Iran, and it's only going to get worse with China. These are not good times. Anyway, our prayers are with everybody in any war zone, including the people of Ukraine. What do you think when you see mass gray? What do you think when you see a young girl and a mother laying in the street dead with their luggage trying to flee a war zone? I think we can provide the military aid if they're willing to fight their own fight. All right, you know I'm a Pure Talk customer. We have a 40-year inflation high. We expect a interest rate hike tomorrow. So you're looking for ways that you can save significant amounts of money. Um, one of our new Pure Talk customers who heard about it from this show, Dave from New York, writes, I was very hesitant about changing from Verizon to Pure Talk. I was shocked to learn that the exact same plan I had with Verizon, with the same cell towers, same 5G network, anyway... What I was paying was $170 would only cost me $49 with Pure Talk. My next concern would be, well, how difficult is it to make that change? It was simple. Verizon quickly gave me a code number without even trying to talk me out of it. I enjoy the same plan, but I'm saving $120 a month. And by the way, you can make the switch, and it takes less than 10 minutes. Dial pound 250 on your cell. Keyword save now. Pound 250 on your cell, keyword saved now from our friends at Pure Talk. Quick break. The news of the day is next.